Hi, it's Joanne Dennison, and welcome to another edition of Sit in the Attendee's Chair. Glad to have you joining us today. Um, to let you know, uh, we are once again broadcasting from Westford Community Access TV, what's called Westford Cat, which is the town I live in in Massachusetts, and they have these phenomenal studios, including a, um, a podcast studio uh, that is absolutely beautiful. Uh, if you have Community Access TV in your uh community you might want to look and see what they're doing some of them are doing pretty spectacular things so i'm always appreciative that I, we get to come in and record here and with me in the studio today is ta-da steve the great is here in the studio with his new hat new hat i just had to get that in i like my new hat it's my latest and greatest hat many of you have probably seen him with a hat or seen him in pictures with a hat um you cowboy went, hat it's a cowboy hat he went to texas for howdy ma'am yep. so came back with a with a yeah cowboy hat I was looking at uh, boots yeah now he sent me some pictures of some boots i wouldn't mind having but anyway moving right along with us not in the studio uh face to face live but virtually um is hi it's kelly over zoom <laughs> <laughs> kelly over zoom kelly's in the uh, big city of Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. And many of you know uh, that Kelly's been working with us, wow, almost a year now. Because you graduated so. last May. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, definitely right now, especially because she is our main support, our only support, uh, it's cool to see what she's learning too and, and the feedback. And I think today she'll probably add some great questions um, to the topic. So today, sorry, no other guests, you get me, um, me only, well, with the two of them, obviously, but in terms of content, it will all be coming from me, and I'm sure there's many others that have felt that way, and uh, a few that were, but I wanted to talk to you about a concept that I have grown in the mindset of um, since I've been in the industry, and I can't say I, I started this way. So... When I first started planning events, I mean, probably even, you know, high school, college, you know, my first jobs out of college, which were actually in colleges, but I was doing student activities in the college center, so planning a lot of events. You know, we always talked and we planned for this year's event. And, you know, I can only, <laughs> I'll do the air quote, this year's event or the next event. That's, that's what you were planning, right? This year's of event. Well, as time went on, and I can't say, I probably did some of it intuitively, but until I started really getting involved when I moved out of colleges and universities and started planning on my own and got involved in professional associations like MPI and I started working on my CMP, that's when I really started hearing about how important meeting history was. So now we're looking at last year's meeting. And, you know... I think we learn part of it by accident, part of it intuitively, but eventually people really start talking to you about, we got to look at the meeting history. What happened last year? How many people attended? What did we charge? What was room pickup? Who actually showed up to stuff? You know, all these things. And we know that meeting history is, a lot of us at least have experienced how important the meeting history is. Looking back at last year's, so you know that 20% of your you know, conference is never going to show up to breakfast. 
So you're not doing a guarantee of 100% of your attendees. I mean, that's just an example that comes off the top of my head. And Steve definitely wants to say something. No? No? We're good? I can. I can always say something. Only if it pertains. Oh, well, you better go on. Okay. So does that make sense to you, Kelly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's really important, I think, to look at events and you can see how to make it better the next year. And that's the other part. Along with gathering the data so you plan this year's better, like the breakfast example I gave, the other thing is looking back, you know, from your post-mortem, post-con, wrap-up, whatever you called it after last year's event, to say, okay, maybe this didn't go bad, but this is how we can make it better, or, oh, yeah, we definitely don't want this to happen again. You know, it, it, it's using that experience, it's using that history to create a better meeting or event for this year, which makes sense. Go ahead. You'll be sorry. I bet they got more people for breakfast when they had bacon. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably proven unless it's, you know, a vegetarian, vegan right. heavy group. But don't hit the table oh sorry apparently i'm making noises okay so um you know i i I think that's something that again part of it we slide into just by like well what happened last year and you know even if you were here last year you need to go back and because a year can change your memory or six months whenever you start planning the next one so go back and it's so important that you document things um, to create that meeting history because uh, he's looking at me because I'm hitting the table again. Um, because what you, it, it, you just forget. And I mean, all of us, I think, have gone back to the file from last year and gone, shoot, I wish I had taken this down or I wish I had notated this. Or I, do you remember if, and what's even worse is if it's your first year on the event and the people who did it last year are now gone and you're trying to figure out what the heck happened. So the creation of meeting history as the event is happening or right after it wraps or even leading up to it, because this is when you're documenting things like who registered three months out, two months out, one month out, the last week. Do you have a group that registers? You know, I've talked to enough planners over the years. There are certain groups that everyone registers early and then it trickles down. And then there's other groups that there's a rush to register at the beginning, then it trickles for a while and then everyone rushes at the end. And then there's the groups that all wait till the last minute to register, which is so hard as we know because hoteliers hate it because we can't give them numbers. And, you know, if I talk to one more person about how they've had to create fake names to, you know, fill spaces and housing blocks because they want to know three weeks out who's there. And it's like, wish I knew too. Um, you know, so we struggle with all of this, but part of it is knowing your group. But if you're the new kid on the block, you don't know that group. So it's really important that it's documented. But yeah, the, I think attendees to um, to events, they have their own personality. I mean, it's not like you can say, oh, all people in this industry or all people attending this type of meeting or all people in this age group or all the women or whatever it is. You have to know your group. You have to know what they they tend to do <laughs> because that's going to keep you sane if you're one of these groups say you came from an organization where everyone registered early and you go to a group where everyone registers like in the last 10 days and you're you're frantic you're on the edge of your seat is that making sense to you too 
Yes. Everything you say makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll just keep going. So, um, so we're building on it. We're creating our meeting history as the meeting is uh, unrolling. Again, both the, the actual before the events, having during the event and right after the event. So next year, there's really good information to both build on uh, negotiate contracts on, et cetera. So I'm, I'm sure most of you, uh, uh, you know, are, are aware of some degree of that, but it is something to always give a lot of thought to. So as um, time evolved in, in the early parts of my career, uh, and I began to understand a lot more about goals and objectives, you can tell that's when I started really diving into CMP world and everything like that. Um, and also understanding the impact of, you know, understanding the importance of knowing the event. Like I was just talking about, like, what about this event? What makes this event different, unique, uh, not necessarily from the marketing aspect, but from the building planning thing? Like, who are these group of people and <laughs> what are they going to do that I need to plan around? But also understanding the organization that you're, you're planning for. Um, and the other thing that I can't say I'd really thought a lot about was the whole idea of financial sustainability. And this one has definitely grown as I've taught CMP over the past 20 something years. And, you know, we all, we all assume that, uh, you know, I came out of a world where you were supposed to make money if you had an event because I came out of nonprofits and colleges and universities. So it took me a long time to understand that not all events literally had a, a positive bottom line, that they may be underwritten, that they may be, the bottom line may be increased somewhere else, like uh, sales or, or whatever. So that was a whole big thing for me to get around. But it, no matter how you look at where the money comes in from or whose bottom line it ends up being in in the organization, an event should still be financially sustainable. And you should not be having an event just because we've always had it. And many of you have heard me say that. That's something that drives me up the wall. Well, we always had it. Well, what's the purpose? Well, you know. Um, but financial sustainability, you should not be doing an event over and over and over again that does not you know, meet the financial goals. And again, where that money is, it could lose money in the meeting planning department, but it doesn't mean it's not making money somewhere else. But if overall, everywhere in the organization, it is losing money, that's a problem. So what I began to realize also, and if we're going to keep the growing process, is we needed to look at kind of a three-year plan. It's, it, it's more intuitive to look to the past but what happens when we look to next year's meeting or an event? Like how can thinking and beginning to plan next year's meeting and event help you plan this year's? So I began to think of this like constant three-year continuum planning. You know, you use last year's to have your history, to make better decisions for this year, but also, if you look to next year's, you can make better decisions for this year. Either of you, is that making any sense since you've really never heard me go into this in this depth? Makes sense to me. It does make sense, yes. 
It does. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I think of what can I look to the future, like why would I look at next year's? This again is very, very important about knowing the organization's goals and objectives. You know, what are they trying to do with this event every year, all years in the future? Um, So again, it's that continuum. It's thinking more than this year's event. And when I think about it, you know, just like we said, we're going to look at last year's in the history to build a better event this year. I think if we look to the future, we can build a better event this year. And what I mean by that is if, but we have to be really clear about what things we know we want to accomplish next year at the event. I mean, we may not have the detail that we have for this year, but we have to have some idea. So I'm thinking about an example and I think I'm gonna use, um, I'm gonna use something like a, a fundraiser, you know, for a nonprofit, but it could also be a trade show. It, anything will fit into it. So someone decides to start a fundraiser and we'll do it like it was the beginning. So now you don't even have any history. You have, you have the first year, it works well, but you know you wanna get better year after year after year. And you know, when you, if any of you have ever had to start any kind of event, it's really hard to draw to, let's see, what am I trying to say? Um, it's really hard to rein in everyone's ideas of what a first year is going to look like. Uh, and this again is where the goals and objectives, because everyone's like, we're, we want, and if you've ever worked with nonprofits and fundraisers, you, you really know this. Oh, we're going to make so much money. We're going to make $10,000 the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're going to have 500 people at it. And I won't say that never happens, but, you know, it's a building process. When you unroll a new, it's like starting a new company. If you unroll a meeting or an event, it is not going to hit the first year what you see it being in the future. Let's say five years from now, 10 years from now, your signature event. It is going to be the first one out. You're going to need to very clearly identify what you want this event to do kind of for a long time, but your attendance numbers are probably not gonna be 500. They're gonna be 150. Maybe you make $5,000. Maybe, you know, so a lot of people don't have clear expectations of what will happen that first year. So you get through the first year and of course your second year should be better if you really use the information. You know, if you kept good notes, if you paid attention, what worked, what didn't. So that 150 people, year two may jump to 350 or, you know, maybe more, but 350 and now you're making, maybe you did make $10,000 the second year. But to put things in place that second year, that, that center, that middle year, you also have to know where you're trying to go for next year. And let's say you want to make uh, maybe year three will be your $10,000 and your 500 people or whatever it is. You have to make sure you put things in place in that middle year to make that happen for year three. So you're looking ahead to what you want to do in the future and backing up and saying, okay, if I want to achieve that next year, the year after, whatever, this becomes part of this meeting, whether it be eternal growth or, or press, or it could be so many different topics. You have to then take a step back to the year you're planning and say, 
what do I need to put into place this year to build that foundation even stronger so next year that happens? Is this making any sense, you two? It is. Yes. Certainly. No, seriously. seriously. Yes. It only makes sense. What? It only makes sense what you're saying. It only makes sense? It makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I think it definitely makes sense. It's just something I've never thought about. So, And I'm trying to think of, yeah, that's, this is true. We have to think of, you have to know kind of what you want to happen the next year. Goals and while you're doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. something I've never thought about before, but it does make sense. And I agree what you're saying. Because you, I mean, you're hopefully going to build... Anyway, whatever you do this year is better than last year, and assumably next year would automatically kind of be better. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the thought process, at least. But to make an even bigger jump is thinking ahead to that year and then taking back what you need to put into place mm-hmm. now. Your best meeting mm-hmm. is never your current meeting. Your best meeting is the next meeting gets better right well that's the goal yeah. and better can mean a lot of different yeah. things i mean that goes back right. to my favorite thing about best is a moving target you mm-hmm. know i mean because obviously okay if we look at the past two years you know whoever planned their meeting in 2019 or the beginning of 2020 who was thinking their 2020 or 2021 me- meeting was going to be like yeah you know i just spent five years building this and i this is where we're going to reach in 2020 or 2021 or maybe even 2022 and then yeah well that got changed so you did your best for the situation it is and now as we unwind and and maybe that's part of why this has been running through my mind as we are coming out of this or learning how to manage it as in the pandemic um well it won't be a pandemic at some point it will be a endemic or something but anyway it's something that we live with this is our time to hit the reset button. I mean, this is what's going on worldwide, resetting. You know, this is the great resignation. This is, you know, everything is kind of getting a, a reset button hit. And so what was important to you, and I think this has happened to a lot of people and organizations, what was important to you in January of 2020 may not be the same priorities this year and moving forward. And right. so... What you might have even been thinking your 2023 one would look like may not be appropriate now because we live in this hybrid world. I mean, we had hybrid before. No one just used it. Um, But, you know, like resetting what are those future meetings going to look like and going back in this year of transition um, and going, okay, what do I need to put into place this year, so 2023, whatever it is, you know, all face-to-face, all virtual, or some version of a hybrid. Um, what do I need to do this year? Since this is kind of yet another crazy year, because we're still in transition, what do I need to do to make sure 2023 is what we envision it being moving forward? Thoughts, you guys? Yeah. Um, sorry. One thing I keep thinking about is um, just that it is kind of hard to picture what the next year will be since it's been so unpredictable the past two years. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking about that. I'm like, might be, 
I mean, I know what you're saying. It's just kind of hard. It seems like it might be harder now than it was before. I think you got to have a plan A and a plan B. Right. <laughs> well, and I think when we look at the goals and objectives, part of it is really looking at the big goals. Mm -hmm. You know, the goals more than the objectives, because the objectives is how you do it and how you measure it, right. attendance and whatever. But it's more important to think, what is the goal of this meeting? moving mm -hmm. forward like right. what are we trying to do do we even need it do we need to replace it with some other type of meeting do we i think that's where you start like you're right kelly it is just you know so hard to know but if we start with what's the purpose of the meeting what's the true goal what do we want people mm -hmm. to walk away with then go to well maybe we do or do not know what format will do it and then going down to those other things well, it's like I've heard you say in the past, your job is to deliver the best meeting, whatever the format. Yes, yes. Um, but if you don't know the big picture goals of your organization, oh, right. and, and I think it is the time that a lot of people are going to be sitting there and going, do we need this meeting and event? Do we throw it out? Do we totally redo it in a another thing? Because we really can't go back to what we're doing, especially after two years of virtual. I mean, I... I was saying to Steve the other day, the headlines right now are so mixed. I'm seeing, you know, uh, I saw one the other day and it said, so face-to-face -face meetings and events, or face-to-face -face meetings are, are going on, where's the attendees? And I know some meetings and events live, face-to-face, -face, I shouldn't say live, you know, learning the, the correct jargon is so interesting. Um, the face-to-face -face meetings are going on, but this article was on uh, how a lot of them, people aren't going back, not face-to-face. -face. And will they ever, or will they always expect that? So it may be almost throwing out everything we've done in the past and just starting from scratch again. And again, as Kelly said, with this year being such a transitional year, it's really hard to know, which is why it's even more important to identify what is the end goal that we want to get out of every meeting and event we do? Okay, how do we build that in this world now based on what people do? Sorry. Uh, this, uh, He's trying to get me to stop tapping on the table. Can you not hear that? Anyway, um, this is a little bit off topic, but you have talked with me about it anyway before, about uh, returning, where are the attendees? And you were talking about dealing with their anxiety as well as the anxiety of meeting planners. So I don't know if that's part of this podcast or not. Returning back to a more full workload won't be the same after the last two years. Yeah, in fact, um, I think it's posted, for those of you who are in my CMP community, and that's open to anyone who prepared for their CMP with me, whether it was a three-day face-to-face class, two-day face-to-face class, you know, one of the virtual classes, one of the all-day master classes, whatever it is. Um, we posted an article the other day that really hit home for me. Um, it it actually ran in the one of the MPI email publications. And they it was an excellent article that, you know, last year I did speak a lot about mental health and how we had to worry about it for so many reasons. The Great Resignation, would it increase violence at our events, um, et cetera. But this article was, they interviewed some really good experts about you know, we all think that even now, maybe more than last year, that 
you know, we're going to throw open the doors and everyone's going to go, yay, you know, we can go to a live event. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And a lot of people will be like that, but a lot of people aren't. And that's what they were talking about. And they actually took it from a couple of different angles. So in your, if you're in the community, definitely go look for this article. Um, they talked about it from the meeting planner standpoint, both as the individual and also from the attendee point. And what they were saying is even meeting planners, um, although, you know, there's been a lot of discussion over the past 10 years about how meeting planners, a lot of them are very introverted and like to be behind the scenes. And now we're going to throw you in a room with thousands of people and, you know, everything that's going on. Um, is that we need that one anxiety right now is so common for people and that it is showing up in so many different ways. People who never had anxiety problems are having anxiety problems. And the thought of going to a meeting or event with dozens or hundreds or thousands of people is an extremely overwhelming, and it, it's not even necessarily so much the virus, it's just you haven't been in thousands of people in a couple of years, most of, most of us. Especially if you were working from home. And, you know, it, with more people working from home, there might be more child care problems that might limit their attendance as well because they were used to being home with them. Right, which yeah. is why so many of them are pushing back, going back into the office right. too, and offices. But, but they talked about the anxiety for meeting planners, but they also said, and they said, we cannot, and, and part of this working from home thing is from working from home, people have not been rushing around the way they did when they commuted to an office every day or they were flying to meetings and events. Think about your travel days. Just think about your travel days. I mean, I said, I forget which one of you I was talking to the other day, but I said, I can remember, you know, one 10 day period within a year before the pandemic where I was in four cities. And presenting, I think, in all four places. And I won't say that was the norm for me. It is for some of my other friends who present. But, um, you know, I, I didn't think about not doing it. I mean, it had to be very carefully orchestrated. But we're out of habit of that. And it is extremely stressful to go talk to people who are commuting back to work. And they're like, even if they're doing it one day and it's like trying to rethink out everything and how this all works and allowing for the extra 10 minutes here and they're finding it, a lot of them are finding it extremely stressful. So if you have to like get on a plane and travel down and, you know, it's going to take a toll on your body that you're not expecting because you always did that. You didn't think of cramming a million, oh, I can fly in in the morning and I'll have my, you know, pre-con in the afternoon and then I'll go do the room setup that night. And um, you might be shocked and you can't bury yourself into a hole, you know, going into your meeting. And they even said things like for attendees, you know, where we used to put a 15-minute break, we really need to think about putting a half-hour break because... People are not used to the same intensity. They're going to need more time to, you know, think and breathe and check email and calm. We're just not operating at the same speed we were before. And I'm not sure that that's a bad thing. Uh, but we have to think about it for ourselves, for our team, being on site, uh, traveling to on site, um, but also for our attendees. So thoughts on that? I had another thought. 
unrelated to that. Can we hold that one for a minute? Why we just certainly. Well, you traveled a couple of weeks ago for the first time since we came home. I did. And you didn't find it stressful. Um, I think it was more just being out of practice. Yeah. You know, not. Uh, but that has its own stress. Yes. Oh, yeah, it does. You know, oh, um, passport holder. Oh, wait, what do I, and things have changed even at TSA since right. the pandemic started. Right. So, yeah, it was a little stressful. Plus, you weren't there to guide me and keep me from getting lost. <laughs> yeah, Steve's um, direction and signed reading isn't always. Geographically challenged. Mm, yeah. How about you, Kelly? I mean, you've you've flown, uh, you know, a number of times in mm -hmm. the past couple of years. Do you find it? more I intense it, i yes i think a little bit but it's so weird because when i like think back to what it is i think we talked about this at one point but when i think back to what it is that's making me feel like a little bit more anxious about something it's kind of hard to like put your finger on it mm -hmm. like uh, what it is that's causing this like anxiety but it's yeah it's just it's weird because i don't think i've been to too many like in-person events in a while mm -hmm. um but i know if i feel like if i were to go to one I definitely would be a little overwhelmed mm -hmm. just because it's something we're not used to after two or how many years it's yeah, been two. of basically not doing anything like that. Yeah. So it's um, weird. And, and you bring up a good point uh, from the things I'm, please don't close that. No. He's trying to close zoom in the middle of our call here. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh one of the things that is coming up is um it, it's the second year of the pandemic that got to a lot of people and and you know it's just we haven't lived like this for two years i mean some people have some people kept traveling vacationing going places and i'm not saying that judgmentally not not my job to um it's just the majority of people have not been living their life the way they did before March 14th or whatever it was, 2020. You know, family, friends, restaurants, um, you know, just have a, you know, a concert of 20,000 people, a conference of 5,000. This isn't what people are doing. And like, there's this low level or high level, there's anxiety in the air. And that's what they're talking about is that, this was such an unknown and of course it kept evolving and changing and everything. So we were always on edge waiting to see what happened next. So I think you're right, Kelly, we can't always put our finger on it, but mm -hmm. I will say to any of you out there who are finding yourself at times, maybe shockingly to you, uncomfortable, you are not alone. And I will definitely put myself into that too. Uh, some things have really caught me off guard because I don't think of myself as an anxious person. And, um, you know, you're going to have a lot of attendees who, even if they go, maybe because they have to, they're not going to be comfortable. So, you know, if we go back to sit in the attendees chair and Maslow, your job is to make people comfortable. And it may not be, do you have seating six feet apart and, you know, everyone wearing masks? It may be just the intensity the intensity of what's going on and being out there. Does that make sense, you guys? Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. wonder if they'd be, uh, it's just a thought, less inclined to do after-meeting activities or off-sites or things like that as well because of that anxiety. I, I don't know. Oh, that's a really good point. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. th- they go to what they have to do mm-hmm. and then go back. And if it means like getting on buses or boats or mm-hmm. anything, like maybe a social event on the same property, but off off premise, you know. I don't know. Just off site. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think what we're saying is we've got to love and care for the people who are attending our meetings and, and take all this into consideration. Um, we can't, you can't go from zero to a thousand in your first meeting or, you know, people are going to be resigning even faster than they already are. Um, and you know, this could cause people to be fly off the handle easier. You know, again, people, a lot of times people get upset at meetings just because something else is going on and this is sure as heck something else. They're nervous, they're they're anxious, they're whatever. So, um, you know, this is all stuff to think about, you know, as you're planning this year's meeting and next year's meeting. And again, if you're looking to the future ones, you know, you're really looking at the big goals. Like what is it we're trying to accomplish in our meetings and events? Not even these specific meetings and events, but what are our meetings and events supposed to accomplish and do we need to go back and throw out what we've done? Not everything, but, you know, maybe, well, we always have this meeting in January and this meeting in May, and then we do a such and such in August. And, you know, maybe it's time to relook at all that um, because it is a different world and every single person in it is different at this. Well, they were different before, but they have changed in the two years, even if they won't admit it. We have all changed in some way, shape or form in the past two years. Makes sense? What were you going to say before on a different topic? Oh, I don't know. I forgot that one already, but I have another one. Okay, just please try to make it somewhat pertain. Oh, this definitely pertains. Going back to your original point about uh, historical viewpoints of your Mm -hmm. meetings, Mm -hmm. would that be a good place to include, if you have it, any ROI information as well? So that you... Uh, return on investment to the corporation. You know, did they sell more right. product because of this sales meeting? You know, well, I would hope that would be in meeting history. But yeah, right. Yeah. A lot of people do not track it because they go, "Oh, well, that's another department, and they don't right. share information with us." Maybe we should do a whole podcast on that mm. sometime. How to collect ROI when nobody wants to include you in the conversation, but they expect you to create it. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that would be. Kelly, make a note because if I okay. stop down, write a note, we'll, you know, be lost forever. Um, that's that's a really good point. But that, you know, and going forward too, what ROI do you expect out of your future meetings in this brave new world? And it's it's, I think it's a very big time that people need to scrap most of what they've done and, and relook at it. I agree. He's nodding his head. Can't you hear that? Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts, Kelly? Anything else you want to? Um, not really. Sorry, I was taking the note. Oh, that's like, right. I asked you to write something down, then I asked you a I question. Just the end of that, so I'm not exactly yeah, sure. No, no, don't worry about it. It's like the server who comes up to you right after you put food in your mouth and says, so how is everything, right? It's like, no, I can't do this two things at the mm-hmm. same time. Um you know, I guess if I was to sum it up in, in one point, I can't believe I wrote this at the bottom of my piece of paper, um, is it should, when you're planning, it should never just be about this year. 
And we don't know that when we start out. We don't know why we would look other than this year. Um, the only exception is if it's going to be a one-time event, you know, and, and some events are a one-time event, you know, 50th anniversary, although I've seen companies then develop it into some kind of annual something. But, you know, if it's a one-time event, yeah, you know, not, not as much worry. But any other event, thinking in a, I don't even know if three-year continuum is the right expression. Three-year pattern, three-year continuum is always what sticks in my head, though. Extension? Um, I don't know. And then I think of that word in Alice in Wonderland, you know, the whole calendar. Never mind. Um, I wouldn't even go there. But uh, you should, uh, you know, we, we, not you, we should never be thinking just about this year's event is the point. So um, hopefully this got you thinking uh, about you know, this concept and how you can utilize it. That was my goal. I talk about this a little bit when I teach the CMP class um, under, you know, the financial sustainability of an event. Uh, But I'd always wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper because people sometimes call me up and go, I want to see how I go with this. And it was always the, well, how do we look at next year's event to help plan this year's event? So I'm, I'm hoping it helps some. Um, for those of you in the community, you can uh, we we have been posting questions for future ones. Like uh, we hope to, I plan to do one on creative and intellectual property, music licensing, that kind of thing in the future. So we've uh, posted Kelly posted asking what questions would you like to see answered during that podcast, and also one on working with speakers. Same thing. What would you like to know? about working with speakers that you don't know. Um, and we're going to be doing that, uh, you know, pretty often. We, we plan to do this in the future. What would you like to make sure it includes? And we've got some other cool things uh, coming up on that too. So I hope those of you who are eligible really do join the, the community. There's about a thousand of you who are eligible, if not more, but I can't find it, everyone anymore. So um, other thoughts? Commercial break. Hey, if you want to get on the distribution list for the e-guide, text the word meat guide, M-E-E-T, meat guide, all one word, to this magic number, 22828, meat guide, 22828. Well, wasn't that something? Um, And yeah, I I really suggest if you want information from me, uh, it's been interesting. The past couple of weeks, I've had a lot of people texting and uh, also emailing me with questions uh, specifically about the upcoming CMP class, when's it going to be scheduled and everything like that. And we've been putting information out every issue of the e-guide with, you know, updated what's going on and everything like that. I always love being in contact with people and I, I try to individualize my replies as much as I can. But, um, you know, uh, if you can find the information and everything that we're sending out, I'd appreciate you starting there so I can then have the time to help you with something that's, you know, a little more in depth and, and that the, you know, it's specific to you. <coughs> Excuse me, starting to cough. Um, so uh, just, you know, if you're interested in, yeah, great, it looks like I left the bottle of water in the car. Oh, well, uh, you know, if you're interested in knowing stuff that's going on, we always announce when podcasts come out, we... Uh, 
do a lot of things in the e-guide and of course on Instagram and uh, Twitter and the meat guide page on LinkedIn. Um, I haven't been so active lately on my personal page on LinkedIn, but if you're on the meat guide, uh, you'll be able to see what's going on too. So always a, a good thing if you want to know what I'm thinking or opportunities I'm creating for you. Uh, I know we all get newsletters and we go, oh, I don't have time to read these. Uh, but you know, try to take a look at, as you can before you reach out to me for some general information. Um, don't mean to sound rude, just I want to be able to spend my time answering the things that can't be answered in a newsletter. So, Kelly, anything else? No, I think that's it. Well, and back to the community, because Kelly's a, a huge part of that. She's maintaining it right now is... Um, Again, if you did a part of your preparation with me for your CMP, um, again, classes through my company or classes that were held to other places like conferences or particular chapters or whatever, you're eligible to be in that community. It's free. Uh, we moved to, to a new platform, Mighty Network, to create something that was much more usable and manageable and usable for you all. And uh, if you didn't get an inv invitation or you don't know, you can email Kelly at joannedenison.com. Yep. Or you can go to mightynetwork.com and put, what do they put in it? Joanne um, Dennison CMP so, community? Yes. And you should be able to request to join. Yeah. And then um, we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, she's got list of who, of some of who, we know who was in my class like the first eight years. And then who was in my class like the past six years. And we're missing a lot of the center. And if you took it at like WEC or IMAX or again, some of the other chapters or something, sometimes I was never given a list of who was in the class, but uh, we can certainly talk about it. So we're pretty excited about that. And we're going to be working towards some live events, if not by the end of this year, then 2023. That's the goal at least, right? Mm -hmm. So anything else, guys? I have an email address too, Steve the Great at joannedenison.com. I never get any mail though, so... You know, if you want to cheer me up, send me a piece. I can't help you with anything. I'll, you, can I'll, a, you can answer tax questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could do that. Especially if you're a nonprofit. Yes. And the other thing that's still on my mind, and we'll talk about this after the podcast probably, is what calendar thing in Alice? Yeah, well, okay. we need to watch Alice in Wonderland again. <laughs> it's called the Calendrium, the Cicl I forget what it is. Um, those of you who have watched the, the Johnny Depp Alice in Wonderland know what I'm talking about. So, okay, anything we want to jump in, add last thoughts about material or things they should know or things they should do or? Um, just one thing that's coming to my mind is um, wherever you're listening to the podcast now, we also have many other options um, of places to listen to. I think it's on, we're on Spotify, um, Apple Music, Amazon Music. Um, Podbean, and there's also a Podbean app. Um, I feel like I might be missing one. YouTube. YouTube, Google. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Google? But, Google? Oh, and Google Podcasts. Yes, and I believe that's it. Actually, Is Google the one where you can ask Alexa? Um, yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah, you can just say, Alexa, play Joanne's podcast or something. Or sit in the attendee's sit chair. Sit in the attendee's chair. Play sit in the attendee's chair, and it'll, it'll bring up one, and you can say... 
play the next one and play the next one. And you can spend the night, rather than watching Hallmark movies, <coughs> you, you can you can listen to Joanne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, not sure there, I'm not sure there is a win on either of those, but, you know, it's totally up to you. But anyway. They do have a lot of Hallmark movies with meeting planners, though. And, and Joanne sits there and criticizes. She would never wear heels to that, or, or they would they would never have that at an event. At least they've stopped calling them party planners in most of the movies. So, um, uh, anyway, okay. So before we wander off into too much crazy stuff here, um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you found something to think about. When I was uh, teaching, actually, it started in Kelly's class at um, Boston University. I started drilling down what I like people to do, what I hope I do myself when I'm on the learning side is uh, I summed it up in uh, learn, think, and apply. So it's the idea of, you know, gather the material from somewhere where you're reading a podcast, a class, or whatever. That's the learning part. Then think about it. Like really, don't just memorize it. Don't absorb it, you know, and suck it down into 50 pages of notes that you'll never reread um, but, you know, really think about it uh, and how it could apply to what you're doing. And then the third step being apply, because when you actually do it, that's when you know you've actually really learned it, too. So um, hopefully this particular podcast let you learn something new, uh, gives you plenty to think about. Um, I've been accused of messing with people's minds, so that'll work for me, think, and then um, apply it to to what you're doing so anyway thanks again so much and uh you two want to sign off night night all bye <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening we'll talk we'll talk with you next time bye-bye <laughs>